Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for all that you're doing in the midst of us today. Thank you, Holy Father, that you're speaking to hearts and you're unveiling, unlocking truth. God, that you're doing only what you can do. Lord, no other can do what you do. You speak to us. You minister to us. You unlock, Lord, areas that have are shut down and broken. Lord, you heal us. We're so grateful, Jesus. And so we welcome you here, Lord. Come and have your way today in the midst of us. Lord, I pray that you would help me. Help me to speak. Help me to articulate well that uh, that we can come into alignment, Lord, with what you're doing. We thank you for that. We praise things in Jesus' name. And if you agree to that prayer, he said, amen. All right, I got to take off this jacket real quick. It's a wool jacket, and you guys worshiped hard here. This was a little warm. A little warm up here. Somebody made the comment that they want their office rug back. I said it's more like a blanket, thank you. And I'll beat you to the punchline. I said this last week, but yes, new shoes. Thank you. I I have never in my entire life owned a pair of white shoes until these. And uh, I feel ridiculous, but my kids tell me that it's, it's trending. It's whatever. Yeah, it's cool. Who said that? Okay, yes. Okay, anybody under the age of 40 think that they look okay? All right, there you go. Everybody that's over 40, I really don't care your opinion. It doesn't count. I'm talking about fashion, y'all. Over 40, we we do as much as you think you're cool. Ask your 18-year-old if you're cool or not, your clothes-wise. Truth, truth bombs up in here. I could sit down. That was it right there. Drop the mic. (laughs) <laughs> oh, how many were here on Friday night at the, uh, the encounter night? Yeah, okay. It was, it was a powerful evening. And, uh, you know, every time we intentionally, I mean, with the express purpose of just worshiping and then out of what God pours out, we minister to one another, that, that flow of life is so powerful. It's so powerful. You know, on that, that evening, I, the Lord gave me this picture, this, uh, a vision of, of what he was doing, and uh, I felt like I was supposed to share it this morning. I saw the Lord's love like a river. And that, that love from God was being poured out, and it was flowing in the midst of us, and it was touching all of the people and the lives and what I realized about this vision, it was talking about what was happening on Friday evening, but it's, it's true universally. You'll understand what I'm talking about 
without if you were here or not. It doesn't matter. But God's love, like a river, is washing over our lives. His love will cover a multitude of sin. But in the midst of us, I, I, I saw these big boulders, rapids, and, and they felt like obstacles. They felt like resistance. And on Friday, as we're worshiping, you know, when, when I'm asking the Lord, hey, God, what are you doing in the room, and, and how do I come alongside what you're doing? We want to do what we see the Father doing. That's how, that's how ministry is supposed to go, right? And so when he showed me this, immediately I began to jump to conclusions. Like, oh, there's obstacles. Well, then, obviously, I should stand up and do deliverance ministry. Or, or maybe to remove these obstacles, you know, it felt like intentions of the heart. It felt like lies. It felt like all the different ways that we sort of resist what God's trying to do in our life. And that thing can show up in so many different ways. It's not always a demon, for sure. Sometimes it's, it's that we got, we got injured or we had pain in our life and, and we're a little tentative. We, we feel a little resistance around an issue where God is trying to talk to us about something, but we're just really not ready to let go of that thing yet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where, where the Lord, you know he loves you, but there's something in you that's a little afraid. Man, I know that if I, if I open up to God in this one area of my life, that he's going to tell me to change, to do something, to, and, and, and it's going to force me, and I'm not sure I'm ready to be forced. And so instead of opening up, we resist. And I was looking at this picture, and so I'm jumping through all the hoops of like, okay, what can we do, Lord? What do you want us to do? And the Holy Spirit just stopped me. He said, no, no, son, I, I don't want you to teach. I don't, I don't want you to, you don't need to do anything. Just watch what I'm doing. And I watched as love was washing over, and the, the gravel that's around the, the base of that boulder, you know, that prevents it from moving, that kind of resist. The, the gravel was also getting the river washing over it. And the love of God was, was all around. It was underneath. It was, and it was washing away all the little things that have piled up against and causing that person to feel the way they did. And, and suddenly, as the love is washing over them, it starts to move. And the resistance starts to break down. And you watch as what felt like obstinance or closed offness suddenly, because God's love was working in their hearts and in their lives, suddenly the person is willing to talk to him about it, willing to open up, willing to trust God with that core issue. You know, sometimes the, the most resistant people in our life you know, we feel like we have to do something. It's like a word to us, though. Like, you don't always have to do something. God's love wins the day. God's love covers over and unlocks people so powerfully. There may be times where the Holy Spirit's like, nah, yeah, you got to talk to them about truth. Yeah, sure, awesome. Sometimes the Lord's like, yeah, this, this one, this kind requires a little deliverance, some authority. 
There are times when those kind of things are appropriate. But I'll tell you what's always appropriate. The love of God. Always. You know where I do have a sermon here, and, and I, I do think it's an important word, and so I will release it. But um, I think where this hits home the most is with the issues in our own hearts that we are truly afraid to let God talk to us about. Because you feel guilty or you feel failure, you know that this requires change. And so the assumption is, if I open up to God about this and I'm honest with him, I have already concluded and I know what God's going to want from me. And can I tell you? No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't know what he's going to say about that thing. You, you really don't. And if you let the guard down, I promise he'll blow your mind. His love will unlock your heart and will set you free in ways that you didn't know were possible. But it's got to start with, I hear you knocking, and so I open the door, Jesus, so that we can talk about it, have fellowship. Are you alive today? Okay. Like three people are clapping. All right, yeah, good. Oh, that didn't get any better. That's fine. All right. That's this kind of crowd this morning. Okay. But you put a, well, it's too late now. You realize that, right? Too late. Anybody that's clapping now, I'm just crediting it towards the Packers. I said it. I said it. All right, would you put a hand on your own heart? Jesus, deliver them from this issue. No. Holy Spirit, this morning we give you permission give you permission. We're inviting you, Lord. God, I pray that your love would unlock our experience. Your love would undo strongholds, Lord, things that have raised themselves against your purposes in our life. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray your love, even around those issues we don't want to talk about, the Lord just says, yeah, it's don't worry about it. Just let me love you. My love is going to take care of that thing. No fear in love. So, Lord, I thank you for that. Open our ears to your word this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Okay, if you got a Bible, would you please open to John chapter 4. It's one of my favorite stories in the scriptures. One of my favorite encounters with Jesus. It's so relevant to today. I mean, incredibly revelatory when talking about today's day and age and the issues that we are facing as a society. This message, while it will not like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to poke you in the eye. I'm not going to, you know, it, it won't hit like that. But I will tell you that, that it's going to cause us to reflect and to see something I'm not sure we want to see. And sometimes it, it's just you know, it's necessary. It just is this, let Lord give us eyes to look into your word and see accurately. And that's this kind of moment today. Jesus is interacting with a Samaritan woman 
And he is going to introduce her to an encounter with the river of God, the river of life. Powerful, amazing. Every single person who knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior has encountered or touched the river of life. It's how you got saved. It's by the Spirit. Okay? But Jesus talks to her in such a way that she said, that he says that this drink, this interaction is going to unlock a future that will connect you directly to the source of eternal life. It's the broadening, it's the ever-increasing river of God. It doesn't just happen in one single encounter. It is an encounter that broadens into something incredible. And every person's invited to it. And so when we talk about this, this passage, when we look at this story, there's two things that we're going to talk about. The first thing is the initiation into life in the Spirit. And the second is how do you grow or how do you maintain and bring increase to walking in the Spirit? The Scripture says that if you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the appetites or the desires of this world, the sinful nature. If you live by the Spirit, that's a present tense command. It's an ongoing thing. It is not just an experience with the Holy Spirit and now I'm set. It is to live in an increasing, ever ongoing connectedness with the Spirit, with the dimension of spiritual growth. And you and I are invited to a life of ever-increasing, ever-amazing encounters with God. It's not a one and done. If you have tasted and seen that God is good, my friends, today is an invitation to open up the buffet of how much more does God have for your life. Anybody hungry? Come on. John chapter 4, verse 7. You guys ready? Here we go. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman. All right, I'm emphasizing each syllable, okay? <laughs> How do you talk to me? Because clearly, I am. All right? And then Jesus turns it and says to her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, then we wouldn't be talking like this. <laughs> Jesus is engaging with this woman, tick for tack. He's looking at her in the eye, and he is talking directly to her soul, man. He, he's dealing with her. She is going to bring up all sorts of issues here, barriers, why this interaction shouldn't be happening, and Jesus just straight up ignores them. Look at this. I love this story. I really do. 
It's relevant for our day because of all the barriers that she's throwing up as obstacles. Look at them. Let me list them for you. There's a cultural barrier here. Samaritans and Jews do not mix. A Samaritan is a cultural background. It's ethnic. They are part Arab and part Jewish. And the Mosaic law said that Jews are not supposed to intermarry or interact. And so the Samaritans had intermarried with other cultures. And so they had violated God's law, God's covenant. And so the Jewish people saw them as an other than, like you are not accepted and we're not going to interact with you. Okay? Cultural difference. Religious belief difference. She's going to lift up a whole bunch of religious ideas that her family and her background have dictated in how they're supposed to relate with God. She's going to toss it in his face. Nationality and governmental ideologies. Because the Jewish people, are their government itself is a religious government. We're talking about two nations, two people groups who interact with each other violently and terribly. They don't interact. They reject each other's notions of government. And they have a problem with each other. Heritage differences, family differences, background, their story, their experience. And then lastly, but certainly not least, gender inequality. I'm a woman. You're a man. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're not supposed to be talking to me, and who do you think you are demanding something of me? What I love about Jesus is he cuts through all that nonsense. He ignores it. He doesn't even address it, y'all. Can I, can I say it would be wise of the body of Christ to take a page out of Jesus' playbook? They'd be wise. See, Jesus, she's throwing up the issues, and he just completely ignores them and talks right to the heart of her issue. Her issue. Ignores all the other and cuts right to the chase. Jesus ignores the issue, and speaks to her deepest need. And she still thinks they're talking about water. Here's her question, right? If you knew the gift of God, Jesus says, you would sell to me, give me a drink. You would have asked, and I would have given you living water. Everybody say living water. And she said to me, whoa, sir. You have nothing to draw from, and this well is deep. Where then are you going to get living water? You're not greater than Jacob, are you, who gave us this well, and we drank of it, and he and his sons and his cattle. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give, he shall never thirst but the water that I give him will become in him, everyone say in him, a well springing up to eternal life. She thinks they're talking wells and water. 
And Jesus is saying, this has nothing to do with natural water. I'm talking to you about your need, your real need. Sir, how are you going to do that? You do not even have a bucket. Natural question, how are you going to get living water? Living water versus stagnant well water. What this is, in a well, you have a hole that's dug deep enough to where water will seep in from the outside because the water table is higher than the well went deep. And so that water will often be dirty and, you know, it, like it's touched the dirt and it's seeping through into, and it'll be sitting there for a while and it becomes stagnant. Sometimes water that is drawn from places that are considered living water are put into things called cisterns. It's a giant store tank that they put water so that they have it when there is, you know, not, not wet weather or rain. That's what she's asking. She's asking, wait a second, where are you getting living water? Living water is water that moves. It's a spring. It's a stream or it's a river. Living water is the premier water. It's the kind you want to drink. It's refreshing. Often it's cold. It's clean. It's everything you want in a drink of water. And so she says to him, you don't even have a bucket. How are you going to get living water? We're standing outside a well in the heat of the day. And Jesus, I love it, cuts right through it, and he says, hey, everybody who drinks of this kind of water will thirst again. But if you drink from what I'm offering you, it's going to become a spring, living water, from the inside, and will spring up to the connectedness with eternal life. So suddenly, we're talking real, real, and she goes, ah, I want that. Give it to me. Smoke screen gone, give it to me. Look at what Jesus does. So Jesus answered her, right? He says, oh, excuse me, let me back up just a second. Jesus answered her and says, everyone who drinks this water is going to thirst. The woman says, well, sir, give me the living water. I don't want to have to keep coming back out here. What's Jesus actually talking about here? He's talking about the connection with spirit to the eternal life of heaven. He's talking about the fulfillment or the connection through a covenant to God. John 3 verse 5 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. And it's of spirit. Just to clarify, let me read this for you. Jesus fulfilled the law because you could not do it. The old covenant, everyone say old covenant, was how you would relate with the creative God. Through the old covenant is how you could connect to the Father. But the old covenant required you to live according to the law. It's an external connection. You go to the temple, you worship, you walk according to his ways. That's how you relate with God. 
but you couldn't do it. And so Jesus came and he fulfilled it for us. Praise God. No longer would we have to live according to the laws in order to relate with God. Hear me out before you throw your religion at me. Jesus fulfilled the law and prophets, and he created a new covenant. Everyone say new covenant. This new covenant fulfills the old law, the requirements, and creates a new way of connecting with God, and it is in spirit. And he's talking to her, of all people, about it. He's talking to her. He's explaining it to her. Before any other person in Samaria or the other nations, he's talking to her. It's such a powerful moment. Verse 15, the woman says, Sir, give me this water. I don't want to come back out here to drink from this well anymore. And so he addresses the elephant in the room. He says, all right, go call your husband and come here. The woman goes, ah, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you answered correctly, saying that you have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you are with now is not your husband. Truly, you have said correctly. And then she says, well, sir, I perceive you must be a prophet. Let's look, look at this. Okay, what is Jesus asking? What is he demanding of her? According to the old covenant, you had to live up to the standard of the law in order to relate with God. So Jesus immediately points out the fact that she does not measure up. He's busting her chops. He's not allowing the smoke screen. He's not going to allow religious talk. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, you failed the test. It's why you're not relating with God. It's clear. You got a whole bunch of mess in your life. Anybody ever screwed up before? Okay, this is a magnified mess. Jesus is talking to her about her need for a savior. He's pointing out the need to fulfill the law and she has failed miserably. Five marriages with the sixth guy. She's an outcast in her society. Nobody wants to relate with her. The other women don't relate with her. Why is she out in the middle of the day at that well when no one else is around in the heat of the day gathering water? Because she is trying to avoid people. Verse 19, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> All right, Mr. Prophet guy, I got some questions, she says. <laughs> Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you people... She goes back to this. You people say that we worship in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Spirit, that word is the word for pneuma or breath. It's the words that come out of you. 
It's expression. Truth is the word for authenticity. The Father is looking for people who will be real with him, who will give honest expression out of their core identities to worship him. It's who he's looking for. He isn't looking for the right way. He's not looking for the religious answers. He's looking for a real heart. She goes, okay, Mr. Prophet, we got some real talk now. Hear this question because it cuts through the nonsense. She goes, you tell me then, how am I supposed to connect with God when you Jews say that we Samaritans aren't allowed in Jerusalem? Okay, real talk, Mr. Prophet. I'm a woman, I am a Samaritan. My dad says it's okay for us to worship here. And frankly, we choose to worship here because you don't want us in Jerusalem. What's interesting about this woman is that she's rejected by her own society. And so not only is she not able to worship in Jerusalem or not wanted there because she's a Samaritan, She's also not wanted at their temple system in Samaria. She's been rejected by her people too. And so she's asking a real question. She goes, listen, okay, Mr. Prophet, yep, I've messed up. And because I've messed up, my people don't want me around and you guys don't want me around there either. So how am I supposed to connect with God? That's what she's asking. How am I supposed to connect with God if you don't want me in your church? It's an ancient issue and it's a modern one. Because listen to me. Let's get real for a moment. This is an authentic core question. And what I love about this is that Jesus just got done telling her this is who the Father's looking for. People who will ask honest questions, who will seek him, honestly. Authenticity. And so she launches straight into her stuff. He prophesies to her, if you are honest with me right now, God will encounter you. And so she goes, okay, Mr. Prophet, my daddy told me it's okay for me to worship here, that I don't need to go there. My daddy told me, my culture tells me, that it's okay for us to worship in this way and that we don't need to go there because we're rejected there anyway. And the truth is that the majority of the barriers that are standing in her way from connecting with God were related to the bias of the people who currently represented the covenant. We slow this down. This has nothing to do with, I mean, I, you, need to, you need to put your brain in terms of ancient society and, and the reality. God's law said that the Jews needed to separate themselves 
that, that they needed to live according to his ways, the laws, and they were representing, representing this connectedness with God to the nations, and they had to, and they were failing at it. And so this woman who's trying to be authentic with, with this connectedness says, listen, how can I even begin to pursue if you don't want me around? Because the people who represent the covenant, the way to relate with God, don't want me around. They don't like my kind. They have bias that prevents me. Yes, there is a way through the law for another nation to worship God in the Jewish system. Of course there is. God made provision, but the people didn't like them. So how long are you going to keep attending a church that the people don't like you and don't want you there? Can I ask a real question? Okay, let me tell you, if you're going to get offended at this message, it's going to be with this one. Just, there you go, here it is. Okay? If I didn't already mess you up, this is it, right here, this moment. Okay? If you make it past this moment, easy breezy, you're good. Okay? I wonder sometimes if the current stewards of God's covenant, those who represent this new covenant, I wonder sometimes if we also are creating barriers for people based on our biases. A person in the world might ask the same question the Samaritan woman is asking. How does someone like me connect to God when you Christians say that I'm not allowed to worship in your church? Oh, no, everyone's welcome. Yes, everyone's welcome, but it's pretty obvious if you don't like somebody. If the experience is awkward, if you don't feel accepted, wanted, needed, loved, like, it's pretty obvious. Okay, before you start accusing me of all sorts of nonsense, let me tell you. I don't have any problem offending you. I'm good at it. I have never apologized for shooting straight. And no matter who sits in this audience and this congregation, I'm not going to adjust for it. I'm a prophet, I speak, because I just got to give it the way that I see it. I have to. This is just how it works for me. So any kind of worry that we're somehow start to, we, oh, the church is drifting. Did you see who's in church today? Did you see? What if there's a whole section of people that you have a bias against? Whole section of church. What if they filled up? I know. I understand. When I say they, you think you know what I'm talking about, but you don't know what I'm talking about because your they is different from that person's they. But whoever it is, if you imagine an entire section of this congregation filled up with whoever that person represents to you, are you looking for a new church? I'm not going to adjust this, and I'm not going to adjust the way we worship unapologetically. The presence of God is primary. The new covenant is primary. There is no adjusting. We're blasting, blasting, blasting. And so if someone comes, they're seeking. If someone stays, they're seeking. Are you okay with that? And I know we say, yeah, praise God, but it offends our sensibilities. And it's the same thing this woman was dealing with. And Jesus knocked off the barriers. In fact, he didn't even speak to them. 
Well, pastor, if we open up the church to that type of person, then we're going to have to start preaching against their issue. Really? Have you ever known me to hold back from your issue? Which one are we talking about? Are we getting real or what? Like, come on. Y'all, it's the love of God that undoes all the works of the devil. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Austin. I know, I know there's an amen in you, okay? You just got to give it voice sometimes. Here's the deal. Well, there's a lot of these, but I, I know that God is doing a work in our generation that is meant to bring in a harvest. A generation coming into the Lord, but that generation currently has a whole bunch of issues. And those issues don't necessarily match the culture of the church. And so there's not room. And, and, and so we just have to be intentional with love. We, we gotta, I want you to confront bias because because there, there's actual authentic appetite in the world where they're seeking God and they just don't know where to go because they're not welcome places. There's people who don't feel accepted, needed, wanted, loved. Like, I love the fact, I'm so thankful that the, frankly, that the skin color of our congregation is changing. Praise God. Okay, three of you are excited about that. No, I'm talking real talk here. I'm talking real talk, and the reason is because this is a Midwest city. We're as Lutheran and as white as you get. So the fact that love is growing means that people feel wanted, needed, loved, accepted, and that we're confronting bias, and we should, and we should keep going for it in every regard. At this point, I love this, verse 27. You ready? You okay? At this point, the disciples came back. Thank goodness. Woo. <laughs> the disciples came back, and they were amazed that he, they were speaking to a woman, that he was speaking to a woman. Yet nobody said to him, hey, what you seeking? What you talking about? Okay? I almost guarantee it. None of you are going to come up to me afterwards and go, all right, pastor, what were you actually talking about? You're not going to do it. You already feel awkward enough. It's the same thing with Jesus. They're doing it to Jesus. They didn't go, hey, what you talking to that woman for? The woman, though, left the water pot, and she went into her city, and she told all the men, come and see who told me all the things that I've done. Could this be the Christ? They went out of the city, and they were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Jesus, you got to eat. Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to him, all right, who snuck him a sandwich? Which one of you did it? And so Jesus is like, no, 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 boys, boys. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Okay. What was sustaining Jesus was the life of heaven flowing into him and through him. What was giving him energy and strength 
was the river of God in spirit flowing into him and through him as he did what the Father was doing. It's called ministry. His sustaining nutrition was in spirit by giving away the river. By giving away what God has given to you, that is how you maintain and grow and intensify your experience in your spirit life. I know you got saved and I know you got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1978. Praise God for that experience. Okay? You got touched by God radically. Amazing. Have you given it away lately? Because that might be because you're, that's why you're dry. That's why you're crusty. Wow, that hit something there. I don't know. So many people search for this answer. They're saying, where's revival? And they chase it church to church. Conference to conference, experience to experience. Oh, I hear what's happening in Dallas these days. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push a button here. I know I'm going to push a button here. I, I'm saying these things with a sarcastic tone because I want you to take them lightly, okay? But revival and the process of being revived is not an external experience that comes upon you. So you can go to places that are experiencing a move of God, but it has, that's not how you maintain your spiritual life. If you maintain your spiritual life by running from thing to thing to thing, it never was in you. It was always something external. But... But the work of God is meant to be in you, an inward work flowing up and reviving everything around you, the river flowing through you. So how do we experience more life in the spirit? Jesus answered it by giving it away. It's that simple. It's such a, it feels like a secret the drink turns into a river by giving it away, by doing the will of the Father. And look at what happens to this woman. you got to see this. It's so amazing. This is what happens to her. He tells her this is going to happen. What does she do immediately? The boys are talking about, hey, why are you talking to that chick, right? And she left the water pot, ran into the city, and started telling every one of those men, I think I found the Messiah. She starts to tell them her testimony. She's giving away the little bit of hope that he just gave her. He told her, I'm going to give you a drink, and it's going to well up into an eternal spring. And she immediately activates it. What she has, she doesn't have much, but she goes straight into the city and starts giving it to everybody. The little she had been given, she immediately gave away. It is the same for you. Every time you give away what God has done for you, you will experience the life of the Spirit filling you up again. Okay, you had a God encounter. 
You got saved. You got forgiven. You know that life that you experienced there, that spark? That's meant to be fanned into a flame. That little drink of life that you got, it's meant to turn into a raging river. It's not for special people. It's not for, it's not according to somebody's gift or calling. No, it's for everyone. Everyone has access, but you got to give it away. Can I tell you a secret? This is true, honest, authentic secret. Shh, don't tell anybody. But I, your pastor, don't always like coming to church. Me too, yeah. I don't always feel like praying for people. Me too. I don't always feel the overwhelming unction of the Holy Spirit prompting me to do. There's sometimes you'll come up and you'll go, hey, pastor, will you pray for me? And my insides are going, oh, I just wanted to go get a coffee. I'm not perfect, Johnny. I know I can't. It's worse. It gets worse. No. I don't always feel the unction of the Spirit when I do things by faith. There's this quote by Smith Wigglesworth and I feel like it's misunderstood quite a bit, but in this context, it makes sense, and I'm hoping it helps you, is that Smith Wigglesworth would say, if I don't know or experience the wave of God in ministry, if I can't catch the wave of God, I'll create one. What he means is that the Holy Spirit of God is in you like a river. And if you're dry, it might be because you have stopped giving away what you have. Because you are a vessel and it's meant to flow through you. You're not a cistern that gets stagnant. My, my family... Uh, I, I, got, I got one story and one verse, and then we're, we're closing. For those of you who are like, we got to go. <laughs> My family used to go to this park in Prior Lake called Cleary Lake. Cleary Lake. Wonderful, wonderful uh, little park. There's a, a, a path that goes around the lake. It's 3.6 miles, and I know that because as a little kid, my parents would force me to walk it. Sometimes my dad would jog, and I'd go with them. But my mom loved that park, and so as, as she would go for walks there, and she'd drag us along. And this is the days before, like, the bottled water epidemic, okay? Plastic everywhere, and you could just get bottles of water, and it's everywhere, and you always bring a bottle of water with you. Back in that day, you just get thirsty when you went on a walk. And it would be hot out. And as a little kid, I remember distinctly, I'm like, we'd be halfway through that walk and I would be thirsty. Knowing full well there are miles in front of us. Ah, I'm thirsty, Mom. But one day we discovered an old farm hand pump well. 
It's on the far side of Cleary Lake. If you know that path, you know where this is. There's an old farm pump well. And that well, that is one of these handled, you have to pump the well and eventually water comes out of it. Anybody ever taken a drink out of an old well like this? Wave at me. Okay. Is there somebody in here where the only place you know about that is because you saw it on TV or something? You've never had an experience with that. Just wave at me real quick. Yes, there's lots of us. There is a method to the madness. I remember as a little kid going up to that well, and, and my mom would go, yeah, just go ahead and pump it. And so I went, clink. Ah, no water. She goes, no, you got to do it again. Clink. Ah, it's not working. No, keep going, son. Clink, 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 clink. Mom, just keep going. Clink, clink. Oh, it got harder. And then water comes pouring out. I don't know, sticking my head under that thing. You know, drink. The pump had to be primed. You had to go through the motion of pouring it out. There was air in the tube. you're like a bottle of wine. You got that cork so wedged in there. You're like, oh, Pastor, I prayed for someone and they didn't get healed. Oh, it doesn't work. That was my impression of you. Uh. Come on, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your neighbor. Just laugh at it. It's fine. You're not the crusty one. They are. Yes, all that. Okay. Pastor. You say that we'll experience God's presence if we pray. I prayed, Holy Spirit, come one time, and it didn't work. I prayed for somebody. They didn't get healed. I've never encountered. When I worship, I don't experience it. When I clink, clink, clink. You're going you're gonna to have to trust somebody other than your one-time experience. Okay? Now, I know, I know that I know that I know that, that not everything that every charismatic says is true. <laughs> I know that people have abused and, you know, for the sake of television, will have fabricated or done those kinds of things. But I am, I am telling you the truth. The Holy Spirit of God wants to encounter you. That, that not only that, you must be born again of spirit. You must be. That Jesus provided the way, a new covenant, for you to be born of spirit. And that you must be. That life in the spirit will change everything about your life. It will transform you. And I'm telling you, your one experience where it didn't work or the offense that you have towards one population of people or some negative experience you had that one time, you should not rewrite the Bible and you should not discredit all these people around you who say that it's real. Encountering God is available to everyone. And so if you prayed and you didn't, man, just prime the pump. Keep going. Don't relent. And certainly don't do this. Oh, God, I'm just waiting on you. 
We're just waiting for a revival. You know what? Nonsense. How about we just have one? The Holy Spirit has been poured out. Happened 2,000 years ago. And if you and I will simply enter into that reality and start to give away what God's given us, he'll give us more. He is a river. He wants to flow into you and through you. Okay, last verse. You guys okay? Here we go. This is John 7, verse 37. John 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, future tense, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. The old covenant had to be fulfilled before the new covenant became accessible through the Spirit. Look at this statement. Out of your innermost being will flow living water. You know what that tells me? This is an experience that goes from the inside outward, not from the outside in. It is not, it is not. <laughs> I gotta be careful here. I feel like I just, everybody tightened up for a second. Don't blame the church for being dry, okay? Don't judge the way other people are experiencing God and it's different than yours and so they're wrong and you're right. Don't blame the worship or the music and how it's not spirit-led or it's not the right songs. Certainly don't blame the message because it wasn't relevant or it's too relevant. In fact, don't blame the environment at all because it has nothing to do with the environment. This is an inside heart issue. Encountering the Lord is a heart condition issue. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me. You know what that tells me? That tells me it's possible for you to not be thirsty. If you're filled with the world, you're not hungry or thirsty spiritually, there's your problem right there. It's called being a carnal Christian. Try fasting. Get hungry again. Fan the flame. Start priming that pump. Jesus said all. That means there's no barriers, no limits for who gets to experience the Spirit of God. Don't tell me your bias prevents that group from experiencing the Holy Spirit. It's not true. And lastly, it says that we have to go to Jesus for it. You're going to have to humble yourself and acknowledge he is the way. He is the truth. He's the life. If you want to be born of spirit, if you want to experience the river of life flowing through you, it starts by getting thirsty and coming to Jesus. 
you just close your eyes right now? Holy Spirit of God, I pray you're stirring hearts, Lord. I know I've pushed a lot of buttons. It's a lot of content today, God. But I'm asking right now that you would fan the flame. I love recovery communities, people that are coming out of addiction because they are hungry. They, They know the world can't satisfy. They're going after God. Love that. Man, Lord, we fan that flame today, Lord. We're thirsty, Jesus. We come to you this morning. You know what? Would you stand to your feet right now? Let's, I want you to get, get uncomfortable here just for a second, okay? Jesus, we're coming to you this morning. And we're asking, oh Lord, that you'd pour out your spirit. Fill us afresh, Jesus. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your spirit this morning, Lord. God, wherever there's space, oh, Lord, pour into us. God, where we haven't been hungry, Lord, we're asking right now, Lord, would you revive our souls? Make us hungry again. Let the spiritual hunger, let the gift of hunger be released in this body today. God, at the head of this year, we proclaim Lord, use us. We're vessels. Flow through us, God. It's a bold claim, but I want you to declare it over your life. Jesus, whatever you give to me, I'll make sure I give it to others. You want to be a revivalist? That's the claim right there. That's the declaration. Jesus, whatever you give to me, I'll give to others. That is the commitment of a revivalist. Lord, whatever you pour into this house, Lord, we will make sure that it finds its way out to touch lives. So would you fill us afresh, Jesus? Come on, just pray it one more time. Holy Spirit, come. Okay, would you lean over to someone standing next to you? Put a hand on their shoulder. Let's practice what we preach. Come on. Put a hand on someone's shoulder that's sitting next to you. And I want you to pray, Holy Spirit, come. Fill them up, Lord. Pour into their life, Jesus. God, whatever you've done in my life, Lord, do it in theirs. Come on, what's Jesus done for you? Pray that for them right now. Oh, Lord, you delivered me. You set me free, Jesus. You've provided for me. You've healed me, Lord. God, do it for them. Heal them, Jesus. Set them free, Lord. Let your mercy cover them, Jesus. All right, come on. We got to prime the pump. Find another person. Come on, look around. Find one more person. Find another person to pray for. I promise you, this is going to work. God's going to do something right now. Find somebody else. Just pray. Release what you've received. God, whatever you've given to me, give it to them. Holy Spirit, come. God, do what only you can do. Jesus, move mightily in their life. God, fill me with love for them. Fill me with your love, O oh Lord. Let your love be poured out on them today, God. Okay, if the Holy Spirit gives you a picture or a word or something is prompted to pray for, just go for it. You can just pray by that prompting right now. Pray by the Holy Spirit. Just minister to them.
Whatever comes to your heart, pray for them. Holy Spirit, manifest yourself today. God, release, release your gifts today, Holy Spirit. Friend, you're not waiting for a prompting or unction. Just do it. Come on, prime that pump. Go for it. As he begins to flow, then go ahead and follow his lead. He'll lead you. Minister. Come on, just 30 more seconds. Go for it. Keep leaning into that. If you haven't received or the other person didn't pray yet, just give them an opportunity to. Just 10 more seconds, 10 more seconds, and I'm going to close. Okay. I want to give you an opportunity. If you are in here today and you have never been born again, you know. What I'm talking about hasn't happened to you. You have not experienced the eternal life in the Spirit. You go, Pastor, I'm not sure I even have what you're talking about. All you got to do is open that door. Belief in Christ uh, does this. So if that's you, I want you to pray with me right now. You pray like this, Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, that he fulfilled the old covenant on my behalf. And today I receive the new covenant, his death as payment for my sins. And I am asking, Holy Spirit of God, that you would be born in and through me, that you would cause me to be born again of spirit. Holy Spirit, come into my life. I trust my life to you, Jesus. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now I just want to bless you guys. And so if you just receive, Father, I thank you for this people. May the Lord bless you. May this be the best year of your life. May 2024 be incredible, off the chain, absolutely beyond, exceedingly above all that you've hoped for. A year of fulfillment, a year of breaking through, a year of fruitfulness. I bless your life. May the Holy Spirit come upon you. May the Holy Spirit fill you. Blah, like a raging river into your home, into your workplace, into your community, into this nation. In every aspect, God, let 2024, let your kingdom break through. And so I bless your people today. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face, his countenance be towards you. May the Lord be gracious to you and grant you peace. And everybody who dared to agree with that said, hey, come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. 
please visit us at iTheHouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.